Hello and welcome to the Comedian's Paradise. This is the podcast where we speak to fascinating, gorgeous, scintillating and powerful comedians from across the globe. Now today's guest is the name of Tom. He has the name of Little, Tom Little, one of the best comedians on the UK comedy circuit. He's a man who built an online following and a man whose edible show that I watched and was blown away by. He is a comedian you're going to absolutely love. Please welcome the transcendent, the amazing Tom Little. Far too kind, man. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was very flattering. But well, I, I can't possibly live up to that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, man. Yeah. Have, have you ever had a had an intro from a from a promoter that's made you go, oh fuck? There's no way I can live up to that. Uh, occasionally, well, it's um, because I I, I won a, a competition, like a stand up competition years ago. Uh, occasionally, I'll get introduced as the award winning comedian, uh, and it but only that only really happens at like the smallest, quietest open mic gigs as well. So it's uh, you know, and then all it is is so it's like this this guy is so amazing. You think, well, if I'm so amazing, why am I here? <laughs> and, and that's what the audience are thinking as well. You know, when they bring on it's, it's the it's amazing award winning comedian, and the audience is like, yeah, right. Uh, but uh, that's that's sort of nice also. <laughs> but is a mad thing though, in mm. in terms even if you're like Stuart Lee or or Paul Chowdhury. Mm. I saw them perform at Just the Jesters. Mm. So that 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 like that's true. That's true. Yeah. He poor Chowdhury even said, for all these comics that are looking up now, even if you do get famous, you're gonna perform and shit. You have to perform in shitholes. <laughs> <laughs> but that that isn't the thing with comedy. Even if you are famous, you still have to perform in gigs that you wouldn't. No, not always have to, but you. still you still see them perform in places that they wouldn't like to perform. Yeah, yeah, it's surprising. Um, and I suppose part of that is uh, it's for them wanting to test material in places where they don't have the same status. You know, if if you if you if you're like a, a touring comedian and you're performing to people who know they like you and will pay a lot of money to see you, then that that's not going to be the same. Then they're already on your side. You're not having to win them over in the same way that uh, people who don't like you might. If you've got, if you've got a good way to people who don't who aren't fans of yours, then that's different. It's harder to win them over. So if you want to try out a new bit and you want to know that it's good, not just that people who like you will laugh anyway, then you then you yeah. that's where you find out. Have you seen the, uh, have you seen the um, documentary on Jerry Seinfeld? The, the only documentary I saw was the, the, the one... So there is a documentary about Jerry Seinfeld where he um he's doing like an, an unannounced spot. He's not announced on the bill. He just turns up at a gig, uh, and and there's still like drunk people in the audience talking over him in the gig. And you think this is Jerry Seinfeld. This is like the biggest comedian in the world, more or less. And he's and he's and he's still getting this. You know, like he's, he's still he's still getting a difficult audience audiences who don't like him who aren't impressed that he's the, Jerry Seinfeld. You know, you'd expect people to go, "Wow, we're getting to see Jerry Seinfeld for five dollars or whatever," <laughs> and it, it, they're still not bothered. Um, uh, but that would be why he does gigs like that because yeah. it's harder than doing his own tour show in a way. I would imagine. It's a funny thing, though. I mean, the the. I know that Russell, um, what's that guy's name? Russell Kane likes to do that a lot. Mm. Yeah. But I've not seen, you don't, I hear about them popping down to gigs that I know of here and there, but I don't mm. hear it often. But mm. it, what must it be like for comedians that are at that level? Is it is it necessarily, is it easier or harder? I mean, they, they, they do have people's approval and mm. they do have the money to get more people to work with them. Yeah. But at the same time, when they struggle, is the humiliation a lot worse than perhaps me or you? Mm, yeah, it must be. It must be tough to actually do badly at your like at a two show. To, you know, when people pay like twenty quid a ticket, so you for an hour die on your ass. There, he's bad. <laughs> yeah, um, 
yeah, I, I don't I don't know what that would be like. Not yet, not yet. Not yet. Yeah, not yet, not yet. <laughs> you do have a big talk. You do have a big social media following, so you well, are near there. Yeah, you? not quite, not quite, but you never know. It's... <laughs> what What do you make of comics that are like Jerry Sadowitz? I've watched him. Mm. I didn't like it, but my God, was it an experience? You know, you're yeah. not going to forget him. I saw mm. two guys fighting whilst he was on, and yeah. you know, I can say that it's like one of those things. I went to see him, but it's yeah. not something that I'd see again and again. Mm. And it, is it going to affect his quality if he just performs to his own audience like he does? Because he won't be booked in so many places. Yeah, I suppose an act like Jerry Sandwich, I think he sort of saw, um, has, a, has a clear idea of what he's doing. That, um, that it's, It sort of is only for his touring audience anyway. Like, I don't think he would want to do um, normal gigs. You know, I don't think he's interested in that. I think he's, uh, however, at some at some point got to the point where he, he was just doing his tour, I presume. Have you seen him perform live? Mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'm... Years ago now, but uh, yeah, so I'm once uh, uh, in Glasgow, I think, and once at the Edinburgh Fringe. Uh, what did you make of it? Uh, well, <laughs> I, as, I can see it's not for everyone. I, I, I thought he was very good at what he was doing. Um, yeah, uh, I haven't seen him recently. He's more uh, at the, I think, at the Fringe, was it last year, the year before, where, they, where, they, where the plans cancelled his venue? I haven't, I, I can't comment on that. <laughs> when I when I saw him, he didn't do anything that was uh, too far in my opinion. It all seemed good, clean fun to me. <laughs> I think me and you, I think it's because the com comedy seems to be completely divided. I mm. think for our safety, we, <laughs> we 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 will we will not say anything on the matter. No, no. It's funny how comedy is getting more and more divided, isn't it? I mean, mm. I spoke to Alexis Dubas, and I hope he doesn't mm. mind me saying this, but yep. he told me that with Comedy Unleashed, they booked Alastair Beckett King, mm. and they recorded a set, and he roasted and took the piss out of them. Yeah. But they decided not to record it, despite them being a freedom of speech platform. But mm. I thought, what, what's the, but that, I thought... That's that's interesting to hear. Yeah, yeah. There's another comedian. I can't think what his name is. Um, Will Franken. Will Franken. Uh, I think he uh, also, um, when he was on the bill, made fun of the night. Uh, and they weren't happy about it. <laughs> so um, I think, I mean, I've not, I've not been to the comedy in Myself, obviously, I uh, uh, um, and um, my idea of it maybe isn't fair, but in my it, it, the impression I get is that the big deal about um, free speech is really just a sort of uh, a code or a euphemism for this is pro Brexit <laughs> or, <laughs> or whatever, you know, like, um, uh, this, is, this isn't this is a bit more right-leaning conservative politics than you would expect at, a, at another gig. And, and that isn't really a free speech thing at all. It's not, um, that isn't more free or less free than another gig. It's just a different audience going with a different expectation. But if you're, you're at a, a normal gig and you did a joke about Tories, how, how, how Tories are evil, you'd mm. expect that to do all right. If you did a joke about how Tories are evil at Comedy Unleashed, it probably wouldn't go as well. Uh, so it, You'd expect to do a joke about if you want to do a joke about Labour being able, that would do better at Comedy Unleashed than at a different gig. That's, so that's less about free speech, being able to say what you want, and just about leaning into a sort of political angle a bit more. That's what it feels to me. That's the impression I get. So if you're at, you know, I, I don't think even the acts who were booked on Comedy Unleashed, I don't think they're actually doing anything differently to what they would normally do at gigs anyway. It's just that the audience is slightly different uh, 
So you can get a better reaction if you're leaning into that sort of politics, which is, you know, that's, that's the impression I <laughs> It's sort of disillusioned. Um, it's, it's, so it's a bit like, I'm going to be very detailed and so be careful about what I say here, <laughs> but um, it's a bit like with Andrew, Andrew Tate, he, he's, mm. he's, what he's done is he's taken advantage, he's noticed that there's a market of disillusioned young men. Mm. And so he says everything that they feel or certain young men feel mm. and has completely taken advantage of them. Mm. And is that's a, is that certain sort of thing that's maybe going from the English, they finding people that are, they found a market that are feeling disillusioned with things mm. and they're taking yeah. advantage of that. Yeah, well, I think, I mean, you hear so much about wokeness uh, in not just comedy, but in like uh, all the time in the news. And that it's like, uh, was it, there was a news article the other day, it was like the, the government were going to stop woke science lessons. <laughs> and I, what, what does that even mean? Uh, but it seems like such a sort of ideological thing that there's a, that there's wokeness that which is ruining it, ruining everything, and it's wrong and bad, and that uh, if you set yourself up as anti-woke, then that's going to appeal to a certain kind of people who, for whatever reason, go along with the narrative of uh, woke versus anti-woke sort of thing. So I think a lot of people, if you look at any old comedy on YouTube, like anything at all, like Dad Sammy or Tommy Cooper or whatever, you'll always find comments saying this is what comedy. This is when comedy was good, all, all this walk nonsense that you're not allowed to talk about, even when it's something completely innocuous, like you know Tommy Cooper just doing a magic trick. You know, you could still do that now. It's nothing, <laughs> but the idea that the walkness has ruined everything is so uh, pervasive that if if you set yourself up uh, as we're not like that, we're anti-walk, then that's going to uh, attract people. who are going to be think, oh, finally, finally, this is the the thing for me. And then they'll go to the gig and it'll be the same kind of comedy you get at any other gig anywhere. But they just had it in their head that those other gigs are all walk. They wouldn't aren't funny there, you know? Yeah. But, but one thing that you you perhaps share with... Hmm? This is the only I thing you care. probably <laughs> share with Comedy Unleashed is because they've got a big platform and you hmm. have a big platform as well. Does Not it quite. tighten your senses because you've got a big you've got to be cautious about what you say, like people with more attention. And if you, oh. people twist what? Yeah, I mean, I don't have the profile of uh, Comedy Unleashed or anything, but I mean, if, well, something I think, you know, uh, that's, a, that's the thing with uh, Comedy Unleashed and that, all, all that sort of more free speech angle in comedies, it does say about you, you shouldn't like self-censor. Or if you just think, uh, you, I mean, you shouldn't be scared of causing offence. But I kind of think if you're a comedian, you, you want to make as many people laugh as possible. And if you have a joke where you think a lot of the room aren't going to like that, then it's just sensible to not do it rather than, you know, and, and do a joke people would like instead. You know, if, you, if you're a comedian, I think, I think, you know, being funny is more, Important than saying something just to prove you're not you're prepared to say. Or, you know, I, so yeah. it doesn't really. Um, so for me, if I have a joke, if I if I think of a something to tweet that I think is kind of funny, and I think, oh, I can see why people wouldn't like that. Though, it just becomes it's it's not a. I might not tweet it because I just think hey, it's not worth the hassle, and I don't I don't think that means it's like a cowardly thing on my part. It just seems to be. It doesn't fit my brand, you know. I'd, I'd rather it's, it's not worth the people who like who would like that joke aren't worth the people who wouldn't like it, you know. But that, yeah, you know, I, 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 but I think that's just uh, a perfectly reasonable attitude. I don't think that's the big uh, cowardly thing. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, effectively, if I if if I think that I'm I'm going to be at a gig that there or not for me, I'll probably avoid it. Hmm. I don't think I don't think whatever the case is, you're going to please anyone. I mean, I learned no, that yeah. through Edinburgh. That's the biggest thing. If anything, when I've had certain people really enjoy it, and then others walk out completely, 
that's the biggest lesson I got from that. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, it's like if you think, if you look at the audience at a gig and you think, if you've got like a really dark joke that you like and you know sometimes works well, you also get a sense other people won't go for it. Uh, and you get to a gig and you think, oh, they're not going to like my dark joke here. Yeah, I think it makes sense to just think, well, I won't do the dark joke tonight. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't understand the virtue of thinking I've got to do it anyway and do badly as a result. You know, <laughs> I don't, I don't see the point of that. I think it just, you know, do the stuff you think people will like because that's that's what you've that's what you've come to the gig for, yeah. and what they've come to the gig for. It doesn't make any sense. It's like. It's like you wouldn't, um, if you had a joke that would make your friends laugh, but w wouldn't make your grandmother laugh. You know what I mean? So you, you, you wouldn't tell the same joke to your grandmother. You might tell your mates because you, what would be the point of telling your grandmother? <laughs> yeah. Hmm. It's, yeah, it, I mean, at the end, of, we're both here to have a good time. Now, do you, is is it similar to your your approach to social media? Do you see it as that as well? Like you put stuff that you find funny, and it's a bit like, a, in some respects, in terms of developing an act or a joke, that's mm. similar. Like you test stuff out and you develop things. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I mean, with uh, social media, Twitter, what uh, often what I'll do well on social media isn't what I'll do well in stand up and vice versa, you know, for whatever reason. Um, but certainly uh, jokes I've had that was just like a, a little funny idea that I thought was worth tweeting. Uh, and then because people have liked it, that's made me think, oh, that was a, a funny idea. And then I've remembered it. And then that's become a stand-up routine uh, later on because that that early enthusiasm on, on, on social media made me think about it more. Hmm. So uh, I've definitely got jokes that I probably wouldn't have written in my stand-up set had it not been for something doing well on Twitter. Or... Hmm. Yeah. What did I want to say about it? Yeah. it's What have you, what have you found about the different platforms? Because I hear so much, many things. Like Twitter, hmm. I, I have, I've been looking at it, and I see Twitter yeah. as a sort of... A, site where you air your opinions mm. and yeah. instagram's more like an experience platform like you show what's mm. behind the scenes or you show little pictures as you go in this journey and tiktok's just a, a silly app where you put funny videos up yeah and i've heard from other comics that instagram tends to be tiktok in terms of return is terrible but i heard that instagram is the most of, is a very effective platform for yeah. Conversion. I think uh, it's changing all the time. I think a while ago, uh, Twitter was a lot better than it is now. Uh, Elon Musk bought Twitter and made a lot of changes, uh, and he ruined everything. <laughs> um, and it's not just me saying that; it's everyone. Uh, so, like in lockdown 2020, I spent a lot of time doing stuff, doing making videos mainly for Twitter. That was, I was building an audience there. Um, but in the last year or so, it feels like people, the audience I've built are people who don't even look at Twitter anymore. Yeah. And uh, the algorithm's changing. It doesn't get shown to followers anymore. So Twitter feels a lot less useful than it did. Um, with TikTok, I think you can build, you can get a lot more views on an individual video, but uh, that doesn't mean that people will regularly see you again. So in lockdown, I got to like 90,000 followers on TikTok. Uh, and I'd put videos on and they'd get like uh, hundreds of thousands of views every day or every other day for a while. Uh, and it was, wasn't even good videos either. I just I would just filmed myself saying something with the camera and I'd make like five videos a day and, and one of them would do really well regularly. Uh, but then uh, after a while, I went to Edinburgh, I did the Fringe, and when I was at the Fringe, I didn't have time to do TikTok videos every day. So once I stopped putting videos online every day, I realised I just... Uh, views, videos will get, will get nothing, or next to nothing. 
So I'd have like 90,000 followers and I'd put a video on and get like 300 views or something. Um, so yeah, I, I dropped like that. Um, so the thing with TikTok is it, it, it massively, uh, it makes you think you have a bigger following than you have really. By, okay. by, because just because people follow you doesn't mean they're actually seeing your stuff. Uh, it just means they, they saw a video of you once and they liked it, you know. Um, so, so it's, I hear about people doing really well with TikTok. It seems to me it can, uh, it's not what it's cracked up to be, you, 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 um, as far as I can work out. Uh, Instagram seems better uh, than that, with that, if you put like reels on, that you can build more of a following on Instagram. I personally, uh, what I liked about Twitter is I think with, with Twitter, people would comment on the news and it was like sort of, you know, an online conversation. So stuff was always happening and you were always joking about that. Whereas on Instagram, I just feel like every Instagram post is just a, a photo of someone I know doing a gig. And I, and I just look at it and think, well, I don't care. <laughs> this isn't, um, I, I find it, uh, not that interesting, uh, Instagram. So I, I don't, I think the best way to be famous on Instagram is to be a very beautiful woman, <laughs> you know, because it's picture oriented. So if, if, the, if you're, if you're very beautiful, then, you know, you're going to get uh, followers because people want to look at you being very beautiful. I, 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 or a beautiful man, I should say, you know, <laughs> to be a, to be a beautiful person is, is the way, but that's not to do with being funny. Uh, you know, so if, if you're, if you're me, it seems to me, what's the point of me putting a, a picture? And myself, just you know, this is what T-shirt I'm wearing today. You know, this is, this is today's hoodie. I just, <laughs> I don't, you know, here's my face again. I don't, um, you know, I, I don't. Uh, I've never found Instagram useful for building an audience, and I've, and I've, and I, and I always thought it was obvious that it wasn't useful for building an audience. So now that they've changed the real with reels that you can put stand-up clips on, and it seems people are doing better there. Uh, or a lot better there, it seems some people. Um, but again, I don't understand the algorithm there, why some stuff does well, why others don't. I found uh, when I was putting up videos on Instagram, uh, nothing happened. <laughs> you know, they'd, do, they'd get like a, a few thousand views, but uh, I wasn't getting followers from it. It didn't seem like it, it was just a, a, a hassle to do for me. I, I, I didn't. Um, Maybe maybe it was a bit like having a, a, a better time with it. I don't know. Um, so at the moment, I do think Instagram still seems like the best way to build a, follow, a following at the moment on social media. I think that king is all the time. But so if if, if people wanted to focus on something, like Instagram's what I'd put focus on. Hmm. I, I still think I'm that unreliable. You know, uh, the time I spent on Twitter. Uh, I suppose for me, uh, you can you can put so much time in building a following on a social media platform, but then the social media platform can change, uh, and it can be uh, all fall apart. <laughs> Possible. So. You mentioned that some very interesting points because I meant I remember I watched the video. This 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 video will probably not do well on TikTok now, but I'll say it anyway. Yeah. Um, there's a guy called Patrick Beck David, and he wrote a video where he was criticizing TikTok. Mm. And ever since, and he put that on TikTok. Ever since he's done that, the views of his stuff has completely gone down. Whilst yeah. on platforms like YouTube and Instagram, and it's just mm. gone massively high. And yeah, one thing I want to add to what you're saying, I've noticed with myself personally, with YouTube seems to be for myself. I found that to be a more effective platform than all of them. Like in terms mm, of, yeah, I found that to be the most effective. As I get, well, yeah, go, go on, sorry. Because I've had a couple of people from my Zora character and my podcast who have actually got in touch with me, and I've had a conversation with them. Yeah. So, and you mentioned also with podcasts being, I think when we had a chat, you said the podcast seemed to be most effective, and I think that's like with what Have a Word have done, mm, like ten thousand yeah. people following them, paying three pounds. Mm, yeah. Is it because of the investment? of a podcast that makes it such a good platform for building a following? 
I, I think uh, it's not the follow account that's important. I think if people are listening to a podcast regularly, then that means that they're more interested in what you do. And if they just happen to follow you on Twitter, you did a funny tweet once, you know. Um, so, you know, podcast uh, podcast listeners are probably the most loyal, realist fans, you know. Um, uh, that they're actually engaging with that, that amount of content regularly. Um, so if if you know if you, if you have a successful podcast, and that's going to be a a, a a bigger, more real fan base that you can actually turn into touring, what have a word done. Um, but it's so much harder as well to actually have a successful podcast. And you know the, the amount of work you know you know yourself, Marvin, <laughs> as you're doing the amount the amount of work you do to. Um, build it that's a lot bigger than just um uh putting you know uh you're just doing tweets and videos on instagram or whatever yeah uh, uh, um yeah but youtube as well i think if you if you um if people are watching like longer videos of you then that obviously means that they're more invested in what you're doing than if they're just watching 30 second clips of you that they got shown randomly on tiktok if they're actually into a YouTube channel and thinking I want to see more of this then you know that's again a loyal audience you've got to be the toxic relationship that they struggle to get out of they, they've invested too much into <laughs> it they've invested too many much energy emotions into the relationship with you so yeah, it's so yeah. hard for them to get out <laughs> but in a good way in a good way guys yeah, yeah, in a yeah. good way yeah. <laughs> but in terms of the principles of with a because they have to it, the more someone's invested in something, the less the harder it is for them to leave. Mm, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that, now that, that's an interesting point. I mean, do, is is that what is that what you feel? That's how I feel about Edinburgh because of all the money. What you've invested two thousand pounds, <laughs> you can't get out now. Mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do what you've got to do. It. <laughs> But there's a lot of festivals sort of piggybacking on that that mm. sort of thing. I mean, the Brighton Fringe I found a bit mad in a way. Mm. I, I, it's there's all sorts of festivals now, and there's all sorts. Comedy is an interesting place, I, and and I'm intrigued to see what happens in about five years or so. Like mm. for now, a lot of people building social media followings, building tours. But I'm interested to see what happens if for some that are not ready for it doing it. And then those that like Jeff Vincent of yourself that yeah already I want to see what what's going to happen after that what's what's going to be the thing after that yeah it feels like uh, things have to go in and out of fashion uh, and it feels like there can't be the demand for something forever like uh, it's gonna be a lot of crowd work videos um, quite recently uh, and you'll see why they were popular that were community videos and doing crowd work because it was crowd work that like they weren't using up material so there were a lot of them uh and but it felt like audiences are going to get bored of this eventually <laughs> you know it, it, it isn't like the new way to be a comedian now to put crowd work videos on forever that that's there's going to be a limited amount of time but that builds an audience and then people are going to get sick of it and then it'll be the new thing um uh so i think it, i think a mistake is to look at someone who's successfully built an audience and think well that's how you do it i'm going to copy what they did i think uh often the people who build an audience are like the, the first or what among the first to, first people to do it and by the time they've done it successfully that means it's too late <laughs> you know that it's time to find the next thing um so i think uh we, we you know um i don't know what the next thing is if I find out, I'll do it myself and won't tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a good um, idea. Yeah, yeah. But uh, we'll see. Yeah. Would you... Yeah, it's... We'll, we'll share it together. If, if I give you a split <laughs> of the you cost... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you tell me as well. Do you... <laughs> no. Now, they, I mean, we both saw each other at the Fringe. Yep. Is the thought of it... I know that Alex Petty put the fringe is back. Mm. Do you believe that sentiment or is there a bit of skepticism? Because I'm I'm a bit on the fence with it. I'm Yeah. 
I suppose it depends what you mean by back. You know, <laughs> I think there were certainly plenty of people at the fringe last year, plenty of audience. Uh, well, enough. There was enough audience for there to be a fringe, but there's never enough audience for all the shows that are there. That's what I mean. Um, so the fringe in terms of a thing that exists and makes money for certain people, not comedians, but makes money for someone, uh, then it's back. Uh, I don't think the fringe is or ever will be what it used to be in terms of uh, industry recognition. I think it's getting less and less useful every year. I think, but, but acts are still going up. As if it's the nineties, you know. I think in the nineties, if you if you did the fringe and you you won the main award, you had your own sitcom on BBC Two two years later, you know. Whereas now, uh, well, first of all, even if you win the main award, that, that that doesn't happen. But also that a lot of TV work is booked by, and it's it's pretty obvious to me, isn't booked based on how people act do in Edinburgh. It's it's to do with uh, online profiles or in London, uh, you know, if you, if you, uh, it, my advice to me is if you, if you want to be famous, if you want to be on telly, is, isn't uh, doing Edinburgh isn't as important as living in London. Um, that, that's what I would say. Um, because uh, when I when I email people, uh, industry people ask me to see me in Edinburgh, they say, sorry, we're really busy in Edinburgh, but let us know when you're gigging in London. You know, so, <laughs> so that's, uh, um, uh, so I, you know, uh, but also genuinely, uh, if you look at acts in Edinburgh, you'll see on flyers it'll be act, act, acts who were, it used to be, you did Edinburgh and then you got on telly. Now you'll see acts, it'll say as seen on Comedy Central, Dave, whatever, making their debut this year. So they obviously got the TV recognition before they'd even done their debut hour in Edinburgh. Mm. So they must have got that uh, from, I'm guessing, London or online. Which, but that begs the question, if they've got the TV profile before they've done their debut hour in Edinburgh, then why do they need to do a debut hour in Edinburgh at all? What's, you know, what's the... And not just do a debut hour, but do it at the, a big four venue and spend all the money on PR. What, what for? Who are you trying to impress now when you've already been on Comedy Central? You know, it, um, what's going on? All, it's all gone a bit backwards, I think, uh, or upside down. Uh, but I did hear that... Um, Live at the Apollo, uh, I heard a rumour that the producers of Live at the Apollo weren't even at the Fringe. You know, they, they, they booked acts based on, you know, acts they already knew or had seen other gigs in London, you know. So, I, but I think acts will still go to Edinburgh in the belief that uh, Live at the Apollo producers might be coming. <laughs> and they aren't. <laughs> so, you know, but that's... Well, anyway, anyway, that's all good, though, because, you know... Edinburgh is too expensive, and uh, that uh, limits uh, act, what, where the actor can go. Uh, which you know, so you do you do get uh, you know disproportionately middle class uh, white people, um, uh, which is right for me. But you know, <laughs> uh, uh, well, I'm not middle class, but, uh, but I, I um, uh, you know disproportionately middle class white people at Edinburgh performing to an audience of disproportionately middle class white people. So uh, in terms of you know. Finding comedians that are more representative of the country as a whole, Edinburgh isn't the place to look. It, it makes more sense to look online or looking looking at London circuit. Uh, so, but acts still carry on spending the money to do Edinburgh uh, and Edinburgh venues and PR and that carry on taking the money uh, because of this sort of thing. That it's still the nineties, and that this is how you get famous. I don't think it is really. And I say that's someone who does Edinburgh, <laughs> you know. But I do it. I do Edinburgh myself on the free fringe. I do it as cheaply as possible, uh, just to do the free fringe, so I can do the show myself um, uh, and do the show for its own sake. I don't go to Edinburgh with the expectation of uh, getting famous from it because I don't think I will. <laughs> or I, if I if I if I wanted to be famous, uh, I'd move to London and I get a day job. To afford to live in London, you know. Um, uh, whereas instead, I can, um, yeah. What you said there is maybe this is a terrible analogy that I'm going to get yeah. into trouble with, but I'm going to say it anyway. Yeah. Uh, what you described it as is, is like desperation in terms of when you're trying to attract someone that you're attracted to. If you're desperate, mm. 
it doesn't bring them to you. It makes them no. run away from you. And that's what you've described uh, in terms of us all the way going up to Edinburgh and hoping it's mm. like constantly kissing. I think I saw a post say that you, you, you're not really a big fan of him, but did he make one good point in terms of saying that stop going to the fringe because it's making you desperate? But the thing about the fringe, it does make it, you get a lot of performance opportunities. You get to learn from a great performance. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, what yeah. I like about mm, it. Yeah. And you get to hone your muscles. Mm, yeah. But, and meet lots of great people. Yeah. But is his saying, I'm like, stop doing the Edinburgh Fringe to try and get famous because you're trying mm. to go for the smaller pool. And there's so many people coming, coming, coming. And then when someone knows, it's like with life coaches or something. They think, oh, these people think, oh, Tony Robbins is going to sort my life out whilst I pay £10,000 and I'm massive in debt. Yeah. No, that's not going to happen. You've got to sort oh. it out yourself. So it, it, it's, yeah, effectively, yeah. You, you, what you said there, you're, and you've given the correct answer to all of this going on. If you mm -hmm. want to, you've got to carve your own way and be creative. Yeah. And think outside the box. Well, I think there are two ways to do Edinburgh, really. There's uh, doing it as cheaply as possible. Uh, for its own sake, as it, as it said, to do a show, get experience, get better as a comedian, uh, just have fun, whatever is that, uh, which is what I do. Um, or there's to do the fringe, um, with the intention of uh, career progression, which means doing it as expensively as possible, spending a lot of money, do it in the best venue, uh. And publicise it and have posters of your, your, your face all over Edinburgh, you know, spending like 10, 10 grand. Um, and that's what uh, a lot of actors are still doing. And I think that's, uh, you know, that's never been less sensible. <laughs> you know, every, every year that, that seems a stupider thing to do, in my opinion. Although some of the actors who do that will will become successful and we'll, we'll become famous and we'll be able to say, well, it worked for me. Uh, but I, I would point out that, you know, someone, someone wins the lottery every week. That doesn't mean that it's a, the idea to, yeah, you know, that's true. spend the money on the lottery. You know, it, it, um, so, yeah, so if, doing the, the Edinburgh things that I do of doing it as cheap as possible, I still think it's worthwhile and I still do it. That's why I'm doing it. But I don't think, uh, um, I think a lot of acts probably uh, do the fringe with the with the intention secretly. They probably they won't no one admits this, <laughs> but in the secret hope of getting successful, getting famous, I should say, famous in some way uh, from it, and then and then go home feeling disappointed and thousands of pounds worth off, worse off. Um, well, you know. Do, so do that's, that's that's how the fringe is getting worse because I, I think that's happening more and more, uh, and that makes me feel cynical when I'm there, uh, because even though I'm doing all right and I'm happy with how my shows are going, I'm, I'll be uh, walking past people in the street and like, I mean, I was gone, and they're like, yeah, I'm fine, you know, <laughs> trying to hide the tears, you know, and, uh, um, uh, um, so yeah, so that makes me feel cynical about the fringe that even though you can do well there, the fringe isn't. He's still a sort of uh it's primarily run to make money. Uh well not it's not primarily run, but it, it's it's definitely run to exploit the naivety of comedians, I think, and make money from comedians. Um there's a lot of that sort of a parasitic side of it. Yeah. Uh, even though I can enjoy thinking I enjoy uh and I'm grateful that people come see me and I hope people can do, uh, I'm aware of the parasitic side of it. Uh <laughs> Well, you, you, because you've been doing it for so long, you, you're able to make more of it, aren't you? Then perhaps new people coming in, you're prepared for a lot of it, so you know the way around a mm. lot of... Yeah. ...to make it useful for yourself. Yeah. But, and if they want my advice, my advice is to do a show on the free fringe or the free festival uh, in a central location. Um, and, you know, that's it. <laughs> uh, and you fly... Um, if all those people are walking past... Looking, looking to see comedy. If you say my show's free and it's starting in fifteen minutes, and it's just over there, that's the best way to get an audience. You know, <laughs> um, if you if you if you're saying uh, my show is twelve quid, 
Um, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what, what you follow up with. If it's twelve quid, they're not going to go see you. They're going to see me instead because my show's free. You know, <laughs> that's you know that that's my that's my advice on how to uh, get an audience in Edinburgh. It's not my advice on how to um, impress an in industry uh, because you know if you want to impress the industry, you you've got to do it with the expense. Uh, which is what I say that the, the ten you got you got you got to pay the ten grand. Uh, I don't I, I don't know why the industry works like that. The industry the, the industry want you to have paid the ten grand. Is <laughs> yeah. get they, they, I mean whoever's there? I just got an image of some greedy like big big ginormous person sat on his couch saying, "Oh look at these suckers! Oh look <laughs> at all the money! Oh yeah yeah." Right, sweet. Right, I'm going to get some pina coladas for all of you. This this prick's giving me fifty thousand quid. Oh, <laughs> this other one's giving me that. Mm. But yeah, no, it, it's having said all of those things, it's a lot yep. of fun, and you meet mm, a lot of great yeah. people. Despite yeah. all of the crap, it is oh, a lot yeah. of fun. Yeah. Though I did ignore a few people. Did you ignore a few people? No, I shouldn't say this, but there were a couple of people. <laughs> that I'm a bit like, no, nah, man, <laughs> I'm running away from you. <laughs> No, 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 I get on with everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I think. <laughs> That's a smart thing to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, if, yeah, it, but I mean, it, London, yeah, London, it is a shame with what's going on at the moment, because I, I think when I first started, things seemed to be a bit more open, but London, with the amount of bringing gigs, because so many people want to be mm. famous, is becoming a lot like New York and LA, because they know mm. people are desperate. So yeah. they know that they don't have to give a fair fair deal. Mm. And that's, I mean, in the North, I've heard this. What, what's, I mean, you've gigged in the North, you've gigged in the Midlands, and you give, yep. gigged in London. Mm. I hear from a lot of comedians that are gigging up North in the Midlands that comedy is happening in the Midlands and the North because like, you get paid better. Yep. And, yeah, because of Have a Word, you've got hot water coming, you've got a lot of things happening. Mm. Yep. Basically, the difference between London and outside of London is outside of London, there's less competition. You know, there are fewer comedians, which means there are fewer gigs, uh, and there's just less competition, um, which means things get better. Uh, if there are, <clears throat> if there's ten gigs in the same on the same street, competing for the same audience, that means they're all going to be crap gigs. You know, uh, because there's just aren't that many audience to go around, and that's how they all become bringer gigs, uh, because there's, there's no other way to get people in. Uh, if there's one gig in that in the whole town, then that's got a better chance of getting an audience. Um, so that's why there aren't bringer gigs outside of London, because um, because people will come and see comedy. Uh, in London, there's that much more to do, not just uh, not just other comedy gigs, but you know. We will rock you, whatever. <laughs> you know, there's, there's, um, there's a, uh, you know, all the famous queens are doing the tour shows there all, all the time. You know, if you, so why would you go and see a mixed bill of mm. people you haven't heard of? But if, if, if you're in like a, a village in Yorkshire, there isn't that competition, you know. So um, a mixed bill without famous people still has a better chance of attracting an audience. So outside of London is better in that way. Um, but the flip side of that is there are fewer gigs to do, which means you aren't gigging as often. You live outside London. If you're living, if you're living in London, you can realistically gig, you know, every night of the week if you want to, or four or five times. You know, it seems pretty normal. Um, but in in London, you might be gigging. Certainly, when you're new, you might be gigging like a few times a month. Um, uh, so it's you know, it's a quality versus quantity trade-off again. Hmm. I, I've I've lived in uh, the north and the Midlands and London. I've gigged in all three, uh, and I I definitely think the time I lived in London was good for me. And I got I got better while I was down. I gigged a lot more. Um, I, I, I felt I got better while I was down, but one when I was happy to leave. <laughs> You know, uh, after a while, I, I prefer being outside London because um, it's bigger audiences and more money, you know. <laughs> yeah. And rent is cheaper. And yeah. is, is there more of a chance to get a, be a full-time comic outside of London, like just earning your full-time living from it? I think then? so. I think just because 
Well, genuinely, because uh, you know rent is less, but gigs pay more, so it's 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 achievable to uh, earn your rent, pay, pay your rent um, from gigging. Uh, in London, I don't really see how it is on like a mixed bill circuit because if, even if you're doing like the better gigs uh, on Friday and Saturday, they're still only going to pay like a hundred quid, uh, and there's only what, four week four weekends a month most months. So if you if you if you get, if you get getting hundred quid on the Friday and the Saturday, that's still only like eight hundred quid a week. And rent in London is going to cost rent in a shit hole in London <laughs> costs about that same. And then but then you've still got to eat. And you've still got to pay for you to and you know, <clears throat> so I I don't see how you can pay your rent from gigging in London. I think anyone who anyone who's a full time comedian in London, if, if you know if you're if you're on telly, you get telly work or something, or you, you do, or you doing your two show as well, then you then you make money. But no, no one at my level can be. Uh, uh, full time in London, you would have to have a, another source of income or just with parents. Yeah. Oh. Well, yeah, it, it's funny, isn't it? When you see people like Jeff Innocent doing comedy courses to make money from it, or you see mm. people that are really at the top of the circuit in London having to do comedy courses to cover a lot of things. Well, I don't know if the full situation, but <laughs> it is funny seeing people of such a I high imagine level. Jeff Innocent does comedy courses because he likes teaching as well. I get that impression. Jeff Innocent seems keen to get wisdom. I, think. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I don't think I would. There are a few comedy courses that are going around that are taught by comics that are. This is me. For, I'm throwing shade here, which I shouldn't be doing. <laughs> but it, it, I, my opinion on teaching comedy is unless you're pro comic, I don't think you should be teaching because mm. it, you, you've got to be. A, that's maybe it's a now minor point of view, but if I'm, I'm not a pro comic myself, so if I, yeah. I feel that. Yeah, I, I, there's there's a lot of things that I wouldn't know that I oh. and I'll be. Yeah, I, I feel I feel that there's things that I wouldn't know, and I would be sort of selling them a con, mm. like saying they're going to be this or that. Yeah, if I don't I've know, not reached I, I, it myself. Yeah, I don't really know what gets taught in comedy courses because I've never been on one. Um, but I I do think to, to be fair, being able to teach something is different from being able to do it. Um, you know, if you were if you were learning a musical instru instrument. You wouldn't uh, insist the person also performed instrument and made a living. You know, you you don't need uh, yeah. you, someone who isn't Jimi Hendrix can still take you guitar. You know, and you know you can have a, a guitar take you who doesn't perform at all. Um, in in stand up, it's a bit harder to see how you could know about uh, comedy without being a. Uh, Reading yourself, so I, so I don't know, but I don't. But I, at the same time, it's you could make the argument that if you've seen enough comedy and you've uh, maybe worked, maybe there are more or something that you, you've seen a lot, you've seen that much comedy and you've thought about it enough that you you have some kind of insight that could still be useful. Um, you know, yeah. that's just my being diplomatic. Anyone? Yes, that that is. That <laughs> if, you, is if you think you can't because you admit. Maybe, maybe, maybe people do know what they're talking about. I don't know. But in terms of uh, if you're if you're wanting to go on a comedy course, how you decide someone, how you believe someone knows what they're talking about, and think, yeah, I'll 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 pay money for their opinion. I don't know. Uh, it is a bit. One of the things I've seen on it in regards to comedy courses is, I know that, but if you teach enough people in comedy for like mm. maybe 10 or 20 years, you yeah. teach the basics, you're going to find someone who's famous. Mm. Over 10 or 20 years, and you're teaching thousands and thousands of people about comedy, someone yeah. famous are gonna, is going to walk through. Yeah. And that's sort of true with them. Comedy competitions as well, that uh, they always boast that um, one of their previous winners went on to become massively famous. And you think, they were going to anyway, though. <laughs> you know? Uh, they didn't become famous because you, they won your competition. They won your competition because they were already a really good actor. You know, it's not. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's because someone did a comedy course. That doesn't mean the comedy course is good. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
but if if you're doing it it's you're going to think that anyway but you're going to think that yeah it's subconsciously if you see oh peter k or someone like that has done like so you think you're funny that's the yeah. biggest comedy competition in on par with the BBC New Comedian, yeah, because of the great people, you're gonna you've got this idea of it being amazing because of the people yeah. that have done it. Hmm. But at the same time, you know, if 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 a, an act does you know lend a quote to, to a comedy course, you know, and say this this person taught me how to do comedy, I you know recommend this. <laughs> then you know that's fair enough. Now, for for all of this conversation and everything that's happened. If you were going to speak to Tom Little when he was, I don't know, a young pup, about 20 <laughs> years old, doing comedy for the first time, <laughs> shaking the microphone, not knowing what yep. to do, what would you say to your younger self that's a comedian that's starting out now that isn't obvious, like writing a lot, gigging a lot, find your own oh. voice? What's, what's something that would navigate some of the mistakes that you've made and to avoid them? Mm. Uh, I can think of <clears throat> I can think of some stuff that's you know very specific to me that you know maybe would have been would be of no use to anyone else. Um, but like certainly, I can remember thing having like realizations uh, about things that were 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 like with my own act. Um, that once I figured them out, I was like, oh, that, that, that helps and everything. If I realised that sooner, um, I got better quicker. So, for example, um, when I first started stand-up, I, I would just uh, go straight into talking about whatever it was I wanted to joke about. Um, like, you know, vampires or dogs or whatever, you know. <clears throat> and I realised after a while that that was odd for an audience. Uh, if, you, if you start beating. So here's, here's what I think about vampires. I just find that odd. Uh, I, if you're starting a stand-up set, I think you need what. I, what I decided was you need to start the same way you'd start a conversation in real life. Uh, even though in theory you can talk about whatever you want, in practice you sort it's sort of like an unspoken rule that you'd you'd, you'd um, do a gig the way you'd start a normal conversation. And we start a normal conversation is there are only certain things that you can really open a set with, in my opinion. Well, a lot of comedians will open the set with uh, a joke where they're at, where the gig is, or something about them that marks them out as different from the audience based on what, you know what they look like, or where they're from, or you know, <clears throat> thing like that. Uh, uh, so that's one thing I realised was uh, to start strongly. I think I needed to write jokes based on. Uh, what the gig was, or uh, where I'm from, or that kind of thing. So I started deliberately writing writing joke material about uh, Cumbria, which is where I'm from, um, just because I found that that sort of that was like a natural way of starting a set, rather than just launching into something odd. Uh, and once once I once I do that, uh, that was a way. Then, once you win an audience over like that, then then you can uh, talk about whatever you want. Um, so that was just something uh, I realised eventually. And I think if I'd realised that, if I'd known that from the start, then that might have helped. But again, that's something maybe quite specific to me. I don't know. <laughs> no, that 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 sounds that sounds very that sounds brilliant. I love it. It's it's yeah, that's a very practical and straight to the point thing. And it mm. it, it sounds so obvious. But when you say it, it's like, oh yeah, why didn't I think mm -hmm. of that? Like it's just yeah. Something else that's again specific to me is I'm aware. Uh, however, I feel on stage, uh, it's always remarked on how nervous I look. Um, always, uh, always has been, and I, um, and initially when I started comedy, I, I was sort of the joke that I was that nervous, and I uh, and I'd write material around that. For a while, then I felt I was holding me back a bit. I always seemed new. Even when I was doing well, I always seemed new, and I, I didn't want to seem new. Um, so I, I tried to be... I stopped writing material about being nervous. tried to stop looking nervous. Uh, and then realised that, no, I still look nervous. <laughs> you know, people were still commenting on it. 
Um, so basically, I just uh, felt, well, I'm just going to have to lean into this. Um, uh, so now I start my set by saying, I, I know I look nervous, but I'm fine. Um, <laughs> yeah, I miss all that. Yeah, uh, that's, that, that'll be like literally the first thing I say uh, now. Uh, and for some reason, for, for years, I always, I'd refer to like, looking nervous like a few minutes in. Um, I don't know why. It, it's, it's occurred to me ridiculously recently. <laughs> It could be the very first thing I say. And now that I find it's the first thing I say, it works because it's like telling it, because the audience were thinking it before I said it. So if you if you refer to it straight away, then like, oh, right, you know, you know, we know, you've made a joke of it. So it, it, it then it becomes like a deliberate thing that they're thinking, oh, he's not nervous because he's never done stand-up before. He's nervous because that's part of his persona or whatever. Um so I found the more I insist, the more I lean into uh, my nervousness, uh, the more comfortable an audience will feel with me, the more, the more they'll relax, um, it seems. Uh, so again, an advice I could have given myself uh, earlier was just say that straight away. <laughs> yeah. and, and that's that's being aware I think Jack Cowher said this in Britain's Got Talent a while mm. ago. We're a really good bit of advice. He said, um, your weaknesses are your strengths and yeah. being aware of how your you, your weaknesses come across and then mm. owning it, like what yeah. Tyrion Lannister said. You seen Game of Thrones? No, no. But he says this scene where the guy, Jon Snow, is a bastard. Yeah. And he says, um, never forget what you are, bastard. Because because his dad slept with another woman. Yeah, yeah. And he says, never forget what you are, because the rest of the world won't. So like owning whatever your weakness is, and but, yeah, this is me. Mm. Let's have a, let's have fun about it rather than being intense or comfortable about it. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And um, just being aware of how you uh, come across to other people as well. Yeah. Um... How important is that when being a comic? Because one thing that I have seen on a lot of the top comics that I see, the best comics I've seen, is that mm -hmm. a lot of their jokes work for them. A lot of mm. what they do on stage work for them and they wouldn't yep. work for anyone else. Yep. But a lot of comics where they're not quite there and they're quite, they're good, they write good mm. jokes, but they don't have a voice or an act. Yeah. I feel with ones that are in the middle, their stuff, if you give it to someone else, could be taken, could, you know, that's their act gone. You know, yeah. they'll, be, they'll look like me and they'll so good jokes. And then this could be said by anyone. Yeah. Yeah, there's something in that. Um, anyway, it's a good bit of wisdom. I, I read a, a, a book on comedy recently. I can't remember who it's by. We said um, people laugh at performance. Audiences laugh, at, audiences laugh at performance, not writing. You know, so much, so much... Uh, in comedy, we talk about writing, how important writing is, but really it's it's performance that's important. You know, you can, if you, you can perform a bad bit of material so well that an audience will laugh at it. And we all you deliver it with confidence. If you perform a well-written joke badly, it's going to work. You know, it's, it's it's the performance more than the writing. And I think, uh, and I think so much of performance in stand-up is, is is probably to do with you know uh, how how you are, what's different different about you, uh, and I, I think what you're you're right that uh, material that only suits you is good, you know that 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 another act couldn't do because it, it, it's only funny when you do it, you know. I think that's um, something in that I don't know how you go about uh, writing a thing that only you can do. <laughs> Uh, but if you, if you find that you've written a bit, then that's good. Uh, yeah. well, I'm going to leave on two questions. So yep. one of the questions is, what is your favourite comedy bit by your favourite comic? And what do you find amazing about how, why that works for them? And also, how do they find out about you? Do they find out about you in the bush? In the in, in the post? In the, I don't know, in, in, in Grindr, Tinder? What? They're the questions. Okay, the first question, uh, <laughs> a bit a bit that I really like. 
uh, and I don't know why I like this bit so much, but it's stuck in my mind. I'm seeing it as a kid, and it's just I've realised it must have been a formative influence on me. It was a, it was a, a Jack D routine. Um, uh, he's just talking about. He's talking about. Uh, I think he's talking about um, the European Union. This was years ago. Uh, it was talking about when um, when they changed passports from blue passports to burgundy passports, which is it's. Brexit, so that was the uh, he's talking about how, how people get worked about like silly changes as if it matters, and he just uh, talked about how, how um stupid it was when they changed uh GIF to SIF that the cleaning product if used to be called GIF. I'm telling you, it's routine really badly, but but the cleaning product SIF used to be called GIF. And he, he, said, he said that someone had said to him that he was glad they've changed GIF to SIF because there's two different products called GIF. And it was, and now that one's called GIF and one's called SIF, that's less confusing because there's a, a, there's a, a product to clean like baths called GIF. And there's a lemon juice called GIF. And Jack G tells that better than I, I do. But he, he, Jack G just put it out. How, how confused were you by those two products? You know how how exactly do you confuse a, a lemon shaped, lemon size, lemon coloured, lemon smelling, plastic lemon, with a white bottle with a picture of a bath on it? And I don't know why, but Jack D just saying lemon shaped, lemon sized, lemon coloured, plastic lemon. The exact exas exasperation of him saying plastic lemon. Uh, I don't know. It just cracked me up. Um, and I. Again, I, I've completely butchered that routine, but I, I, for some reason, it sticks in my head as the greatest bit of stand-up, even though I can't, can't do it just because it was such a trivial, stupid thing. Uh, and he was that worked up about it. Um, and it was, you know, it, it was just such a small, silly thing that, that, that other people could have thought of, but no one ever had. Uh, yeah. You know, what? The, how could you confuse Jif Lemon Lemon juice with Jif lemon toilet cleaner. Uh, they saw so obviously the different things, and it just seemed that Jack would get that worked up about it. That that, that just in my mind is a very funny bit, uh, and I like it because it's um, it's just very silly and and trivial. It's not speaking truth to power. It's not a particularly uh, risky or offensive bit. It's just it's just very very innocuous silly bit about uh not there's anything wrong with being risky or um offensive or i, I just think when comedy is talked about it's often uh talked about so much as oh it can't this is great because it's very satirical or it's very clever or you know or it's um dealing with a really dark difficult subject or it's very you know it's, it's talked about mental health it's very important i just really like that that was such a stupid irrelevant bit but mm. i would i would point out that's why None of that. None of that is important. None of, the, none of that has to be the reason why comedy is good. Because sometimes it's good because it's something utterly trivial about a plastic lemon. So that sticks yeah. in my mind as a great bit from Jack. That'd be. That's a good bit, in my opinion. I'm going to go watch that now. You have to watch it. <laughs> I haven't. I've, I've ruined it. <laughs> I've told you. I've told you the joke, and I've ruined it, and I've told it in the least funny way possible. But. <laughs> So if you watch it now, you won't even laugh when you when you see it. So, I, uh, but um, but yeah, it was just the frustration of the way he says plastic lemon. Uh, that, what, I don't know. What I should have done, yeah, is I should have got the vid. I should have asked you to type in the the video online on YouTube, <laughs> the bit, and then we would have commented on it. Mm, but yes, yeah. there's so many things that are missing out from it. Never mind, never mind. <laughs> but it's all good. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, for anyone that's listening in right now. How do they find out about you? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok, or Facebook. I'm at This Is Tom Little. That's at This Is Tom Little, not at Mrs. Tom Little. This one once been misheard. Uh, this Is Tom Little is uh, how I am. Uh, and I've got my website is This Is Tom Little.wordpress.com. Uh, on YouTube, I'm just youtube.com slash Tom Little. Um, uh, Twitter's the thing I do mainly, but as I say, with that falling apart because of Elon Musk, I don't know how much longer that will be the case. But uh, follow me on anything. If you're on anything at all, 
uh, and this is Tom Little on all of them. And and if you follow him, make sure you give him money as well. Like, that also is good. Yeah, just <laughs> send me money, uh, whenever possible. Come see me in Edinburgh. I've I've I'll book it every day. Bring cash. Right. So you know where to go, guys. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I've enjoyed this episode. This episode, will, so I've got Marcel Reconte coming up this week. Tom, the maestro, is going to come up in a couple of weeks from there. So I hope you guys enjoyed it. And I'll see you in the next episode. Bye.